Welcome to the Harry Potter Virgin, where three Potterheads guide a wizarding world virgin on their first journey from platform nine and three quarters. On this show, our resident muggle Rob will share his experience of reading the original Harry Potter series for the first time in his 30-something years. He'll be helped along the way by three veterans of the Potterverse. This is episode four, Rob Warts, Rob Warts, Robbie Warty, Rob Warts. Today, Rob is giving us his thoughts on chapters seven to nine of book one, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, respectively titled The Sorting Hat, The Potions Master, and The Midnight Jewel. Before he joins us, let me bring in my co-host to set the scene. Welcome, Millers. Hiya. And Philippa. Axio. How's everyone doing? Yeah, good. Raring to go. Good, <laughs> good weeks all round. Um, I've had a good week because I've been listening to another rival, well, not really rival, <laughs> another Harry <laughs> Potter podcast. Quick bit of housekeeping. Thank you very much for the nice comments and questions we've received uh, about episode three. And um, yeah, we have a couple of questions uh, from listeners, which we will be either putting to Rob or answering ourselves later in the deep dive if they contain spoilers. So before we bring Rob in, just do our usual thing, a quick summary of the chapters that we'll be covering. Before we do that, should we, I've noticed that like, you know, other podcasts, they ask people to like review them. Should we be asking people to like review us? Tell your yeah. friends. That's what they say, isn't it? Do we really think we're at that level? I'd be interested, like even a one star, I think would be absolutely hysterical. Oh. So are we asking for reviews? I don't want reviews. I don't want reviews. Yeah. I'm not doing this for feedback. I would like a review because once um, we put something up on YouTube that was basically just, it, it was some of us in France um, just dancing to uh, the mid when theme tune. Yeah. And um, someone commented and just wrote tards underneath. <laughs> and um, I really enjoyed that. So I'm really, I'm really open to reviews. Yeah, so that's, that's your housekeeping. Um, so, Millers, could you start Chapter 7, The Sorting Hat? Yeah, um, I got a bit of criticism for my summary last week. I so... knew this would come up. Well, I thought it was great. Anyway, a... they get to Hog- the Hogwarts. Um, they meet Professor McGonagall. She tells them about the four houses. They meet some ghosts. That's fun. Um, there's a hat. The hat sings a song about the houses. And then they have to try on the hat, um, and the hat tells them what house they're in. Um, Harry tries on the hat, and it says he'll do well in Slytherin. He's not very happy about that because he doesn't like Draco Malfoy, and he thinks he's going to be in Slytherin. Um, and so it says he can be in Gryffindor, which is great, because then Ron gets sorted into Gryffindor as well. Um, Hermione and Neville, who have met, have also been sorted into Gryffindor. Um, they have loads of food, really delicious, sounds great. Um, Dumbledore does a little funny speech, they sing another song, and they go to bed. Philippa, Chapter 8, The Potions Master. Uh, so in this chapter, they get up the next morning, Harry goes to his first ever lessons, it's really exciting. He goes to Transfiguration, gets the measure of uh, Professor McGonagall. Um, he meets uh, Professor Flitwick. Um, so he kind of starts to get the feel for the school, it's all very overwhelming. Uh, they get lost and it's just a really exciting, magical place to be. And then he goes to Potions and he meets the Potions Master, Professor Snape, and and he gets that sense that Professor Snape really, really doesn't like him and he doesn't know why. Uh, 
Um, and then at the end of that first week, they get invited down to Hagrid's hut and they go down and whilst they're there catching up on the week's news, they see the Daily Prophet article that says that the Gringotts break-in happened on Harry's birthday and he points out to Hagrid that it might have even happened whilst they were there and Hagrid goes all shirty and because um, Harry's clever, he knows, he knows something's up. And so I'll just quickly review chapter nine, The Midnight Duel. Pretty long chapter, action-packed. The plot really starts to uh, heat up a bit in this chapter. So it starts with Harry being a bit annoyed because he's been looking forward to flying lessons and they're with the Slytherins, who he doesn't get on with, especially Draco Malfoy. Um, Neville Neville Longbottom, sorry, he's got a gift from his gran, uh, which, you know, brings to the class with him. Neville falls off his broom because he's a bit useless and the kids are left on their own. Draco Malfoy nicks Neville's uh, little rememberall, and Harry chases him, and when Draco throws it, Harry dies and catches it. Professor McGonagall comes out, she's fuming, she marches Harry off, he thinks he's getting expelled. Instead, he gets basically put into the Gryffindor Quidditch team, um, and we meet the captain, Oliver Wood. Harry and everyone else can't believe he's not in trouble, and he's the first... um, the first first year student to be on a team in in hundreds of years it's a really big deal so anyway malfoy to sort of get back at harry uh, challenges him to a midnight duel and organizes it with harry and ron who try to sneak out and unwittingly end up taking neville and hermione these other two characters in gryffindor along with them turns out malfoy's double crossed them zoinks he's actually tipped off filch who we've been introduced to by this point the sort of nasty caretaker figure um that someone's going to be uh is is it in the trophy room or upper tower i can't remember up in the trophy room at midnight and oh my god now they're running away from filch they accidentally escape into the uh prohibited third floor corridor that albus dumbledore has warned the students about and why has he warned them because there is a three-headed dog in there (gasps) it's absolute scenes they run away, they escape the dog, they run back to, ta- to the Gryffindor Tower, pig snout, they get back in, and there are some properly iconic lines thrown about in the last uh, few few uh, moments of this chapter. So good. And Harry sort of is starting to, to puzzle piece it all together uh, by this point. So that's it. We know what we're going to do next, unless anyone else has any comments before we bring it in. I've got two comments. One, can I just say The Midnight Jewel is one of my favourite chapters of all time. It's such a good chapter. And two, I'm interested that Miller's is like just caved to criticism so quickly and completely modified her style. First, I got told they had to add in more detail. And then I like was like, OK, I'll add in more detail. And I got criticised again. Guys, I just want to say as <gasps> as the somewhat host of the podcast he thinks he's our boss phil no i just he's, don't well, he's god of the podcast isn't he i don't think this should be on the air we can handle this in, in like production meetings and stuff we don't have any i feel like you're trampling my creativity i feel like it's time to bring in rob it's rob time here he is welcome rob all right nerds how are we <laughs> we are well we are well sir how are you yeah i'm doing good we're into the meat of it now aren't we we are. Stuff's happening. Stuff's happening. Chapter seven. Yeah, go on. You just crack straight on. Give us a, give us your summaries and let us know your thoughts as you go. So the sorting hat, 
is they're getting sorted into houses, aren't they? That's what's happening here. They're getting put into forms. As we've spoken about before, it's all it's all relatable content in that it's like stuff that happens to to you when you go to school, but just with a sort of fantasy twist, well, essentially. That's what she's done. I see what she's up to. Um, this didn't happen to us when we went to school. Just a quick interjection. Yes, it did. We got put into forms. You put a hat on, it spoke to you. <laughs> it was like, you're in 1B. Off you go. <laughs> Do you mean like um, like houses like... It's all Welsh where I am. So like Novid and and Mellon. Was, Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. So so on the first day of school, I remember we we all sat in the library, I think, and got like called out a list of names into our form, and then we all went off to our to our forms. I mean, obviously there was no hat. Whoa! So you didn't know what form you were until you turned up on the first day. No, Rob is right in that sense that we oh, arrived yeah. at school. We weren't one hundred percent sure of the forms. We were told because we are tied depended on our on our form. So we Shut had to be told before. So anyway, they're all waiting in the uh, in the back room. They get called through. There's a hat brought out. Um, it's old and sort of haggard and stuff. And then I think I said this to you guys. I read the line and the hat began to sing. And I literally said out loud, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> not only that, I started reading the song. Obviously, it's kind of written in the book in italics. And I got, there was about six or seven lines. And then I turned the page and the next page is almost all full of song. And I, again, I was just like, oh, and also, I thought this, so this, and also the house song, or, or like the stool song, or whatever they sing, yep. was an absolute joke. And then I was like, Rob, you know, it's, it's a children's book, just let it go, mate. And I carried on. I think that's exactly what we expected, and uh, he did well to get over it. I was, yeah, so, so we, you get onto a big issue here in terms of the houses, all right, which I've obviously heard of, um, and they obviously have these kind of personalities and the Harry Potter fans are always talking about what house they're in, which is annoys me because you're not. I mean, we are in them. <laughs> are, you, are you though? Yes. yes. Are you? Yes, we are. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, we had a few listener questions about um, the houses. Yeah, can you give us a, a bit more, a bit more colour? You know, what do you think about the houses? They're a big part of the book. What do you think of the way they've been set up? So there's obviously a kind of good and bad with Gryffindor and, and Slytherin. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bit of a rivalry there. Gryffindor's basically like the, the good, and Slytherin's obviously the bad. Um, and then Hufflepuff, and what's the other one called? Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. They're both just sort of other, other brackets general, mm. it feels like. Mm, no. I think you're wrong. <laughs> what, what house do you think you would be in, Rob? Yeah, that, a lot of listeners ask this yeah, question. Yeah, that's what a lot of people want to know. What's the sort of, what's the, what's the categories again? <laughs> I mean, you're having a go at the song. You've not bloody studied it. I mean, the, the song is very clear about, sorry, this is not what this podcast is. This is not Attack Rob for his opinion on the book. But you're having a go at the song. 
And now you're, you're looking to refresh what he actually said. Phil, would you like to briefly summarise the characteristics described in the, the, the hat song? Yeah, so um, if you're looking for kind of just overriding personality traits, uh, Gryffindor is, is said to be brave um, and the animal for Gryffindor is a lion. Ravenclaw is a raven and they're said to be very clever. Um, Slytherin is ambition is the overriding characteristic and then um, Hufflepuff is all the rest. They're loyal. They're loyal. Hufflepuff oh, are loyal. Loyal and hardworking. Loyal and hardworking. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I think loyal is, is uh, yeah, again, the overriding characteristic. Okay, for that then. You're going Hufflepuff. Yeah, I think yeah. I'd put you there. Dog. No, a badger. A badger. A badger. <laughs> Um, another listener question, Rob, is what houses do you think we are in? Oh, good question. Great question. Um, I'm guessing we didn't like Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw being general, so I reckon one of you identifies with them. Phil? Hello? Hufflepuff? Uh, no, but oh. that's fine. Kingy, you are in um, Hufflepuff. Also incorrect. Oh. And Miller's your Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, you were correct in thinking along the lines of Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, but you got it exactly the wrong way round. So I am a Ravenclaw, as is Philippa. Miller's mm-hmm. is a Hufflepuff. Interestingly, um, Rob put us all in the brackets other general. <laughs> uh, <laughs> As, as he described it, Rob does need to be sorted into a house officially. And Rob, there is an official way of determining your real, actual house. We will be doing it with you as part of a bonus episode of the podcast, where not only will you be sorted officially by the sorting hat into your Hogwarts house, but you will be taking a trip down Diagon Alley to Ollivander's to receive a wand and if we remember from last week your your predicted wand was a drumstick shaped wand made of pine with a chocolate core we will see uh, how accurate your prediction was i am a badger with a drumstick (laughs) (laughs) you're a badger with a drumstick yes and then they're all um there's a a lot of admin where names are just being called out and then they're all sitting down to, to this big banquet um, which sounds really good. Sounds very tasty. Harry's tucking in, uh, which he's never um, had the opportunity to do before. There's a house ghost for each each house. Is that right? It's just one one per house. Uh, yes. I think there are other ghosts around Hogwarts, mm. but there is okay. one. There is very much a a a ghost of Gryffindor Tower, a ghost of the Slytherin. Blah blah blah. Do you know what I mean? So there is very much. A ghost per house, but I think there are uh, more than four ghosts at Hogwarts. Yeah, so they're, they're having a they're having a chat with them at dinner. Um, yeah, I think that's about it, isn't it, for that chapter? Um, oh, actually, no. There's one. There's one point I wanted to pick up on. Filch. Yes. I I I pinned Hag- Hagrid as the caretaker, but actually there is an actual caretaker. Yeah. Which I don't know what Hagrid's role is now. It's a big place. Groundskeeper? Yeah, keeper of keys. And grounds. And, and he's very much a groundsman, isn't he, as well? Yeah. It's, there's a bit of rivalry there, do you think, between the two? <laughs> they, 
they don't like each other. I don't think they get on, no. Mm. No. Well, that's discussed a little bit in the next chapter, if you want to move on to that one, Rob. Um, chapter eight, The Potions Master. Yeah, so lessons lessons are starting. We, we sort of jump a bit in time, I think, here, or it might be the next one, where we start getting introduced to all the different lessons and teachers. Um, you've got you've got your McGonagall's, uh, your Snape. Is he in this one? Yes. Yeah. He gets introduced. He's the potions master. <laughs> he is obviously um, sort of irrationally uh, aggressive, not aggressive, but like harsh towards Harry. Mugs him right off in the class by asking all the questions that he can't answer. He gets a little message from from Hagrid, probably borderline questionable, inviting him to his house. Uh, (laughs) why is that would be seen (laughs) did you ever get invited to a teacher's house in in the early years of school yeah I did in year 7 Phil Uh, no not year 7 good but I didn't go to boarding school I bet in boarding school it happens for our listeners that go to boarding school I can think of two off the top of my head did you go to teachers houses because all the teachers live on the grounds anyway, don't they? We've actually got a listener that is a boarding school teacher. Not going to name names. Um, do, do, do you invite the year sevens over? That's just a just a quick question. Okay, let's move right on, Rob. Let's pause here before we go on to the, the next chapter. Unless you want to add anything about chapter eight, Rob, you you you, t- you came through that quite quickly. Yeah, no, just a couple couple of couple of odd characters. So you've got. Um, Quirrell, who's wearing the, the turban, uh, potentially full of garlic. We don't know. We don't know. Could be a rumor. Um, and you've also got Mrs. Norris, um, who it seems is a bit more like um, Salem, the Salem <laughs> character I picked earlier from from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, also important in this chapter was Hagrid's dog, who I obviously enjoyed. Yeah. Being a dog fan, that's about it, I think. Um, Rob, we've had we've had a criticism that came directly to me about how quickly, what well, well, the fact that we didn't even mention the um, array of snacks available on the trolley on the Hogwarts Express, and I think it's really important that we don't just glaze over the food at the feast. So I have two questions regarding the food. First of all, what would you have eaten at the feast? Hmm. A bit of everything, I reckon. Yeah. That's that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of the buffet. Although, you know, in reality, in that situation, I probably would have been pretty nervous shitting myself about talking to a ghost. Um, so tucking into a, a roast potato wouldn't have been top of my order, <laughs> I'd imagine. So you're worried that the ghost might have actually messed with your appetite a little bit? Well, yeah. And there's a lot going on, isn't there, first day of school. It's pretty pretty nerve-wracking at the best of times. Yeah. Let alone in the um, in a big banqueting hall, which I've been in, by the way. Top trivia. In I've had lunch in there. Uh, no, some of it was filmed in um, uh, Lincoln's Inn in London. Everyone was talking about it when I was there, and I had no interest, obviously. And, well, well, um, the, go on, Phil. Sorry, sorry you had another question. The, the sweets on the trolley. Obviously, you hear about uh, Bertie Bott's every favourite beans, the chocolate frogs that come alive. Like, mm. 
because I feel like you hone in a lot on animals. Yeah, the frogs. Because because um, Ron says, oh, oh, that's a shame. They've only got one good jump in them. So they literally like, jump off and you either grab them and eat them or they're gone. Mm. I missed that completely. I thought it was just like a Fredo or something. Phil, I think you're talking film canon there. Oh, oh um, edit Which that this out, podcast does, d- does not deal with. Well, I just don't feel like Rob really cares about the food. I feel like where Rob focuses on animals i think a lot of our listeners focus on food my overriding feeling about that scene was um i was annoyed that the corned beef sandwich was discarded because i would be over that like a rash <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird what but is his men was like that yeah yeah we got a message from my mum telling me off for having a go at the corned beef sandwich because she made it for you no, she didn't eat it for me. I wouldn't eat it. Of course she wouldn't. But she loves it. And she said, you know, it's cheap. And Mrs. Bonucci's trying to do her best. Absolutely. Yeah, just discarded. Rob, I had a question. Um, did you find any more satisfaction in the level of, like, description of the interior of Hogwarts? Because last week you were a bit, you know, you are a bit nonplussed with the description of the exterior when they arrived. But when I was reading this back, I, I felt a quite nice picture was painted of the entrance hall, the, um, the great hall with the, with the ceiling, the magical ceiling, the moving staircases, uh, the tapestries, the paintings, the, the trick doors. What did you think of all that? Yeah, I, I felt like that was a lot more, it was a lot easier to picture. And it, felt, it feels like she, she's like a lot more descriptive in these chapters, whereas the first couple of chapters just felt like it was really really short and simple but these ones are a bit more descriptive I was I've just been thinking when I was reading it that and this isn't like an arrogant thing because I think any of us could but you just think like I, I could have I could have written this <laughs> why didn't you eh you'd be a billionaire no but you know what I mean like I reckon Maybe this could be the follow-up podcast. I write a children's fantasy book. Oh, I think you read it. I think oh that would be god. a great idea. Oh my god! Oh my god! I know that I couldn't write this. Of course, you could like to not maybe not to this level, but you could you could come up with this story and then Rob. With all due respect, mate, I don't think you know what the story is yet. Yeah, true. I mean, I could write these first eight chapters. I have another question. Um, regarding the, the the content of chapter seven, uh, what did you think of of Dumbledore in the Great Hall, his persona? Because obviously we met him a little bit at the beginning, you know, the the high heeled buckle boots and all that kind of thing. But he's in a he's in a much different environment and making a you know a big performative speech. Any thoughts on him? Uh, yeah, it wasn't really a big performative speech, is it? He's, he's taking the taking the piss. He says a few words and then he actually says a few words and then sits down. Did that bring a wry smile or? No, I thought it was unprofessional. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't be bothered. Oh, you couldn't be bothered to say anything. Yeah, we're supposed to respect him. He's supposed to be this revered character, and he's just. Uh, but don't you? Don't, some bumbling old fella. But don't you? Or do you not respect him? I've got no reason to, so far. Although Dumbledore is tropey. You know the old wizened, grey bearded man. You know it's like it's like uh, you know Gandalf is the the other one that everyone's mind goes to. But Gandalf actually is an austere, serious uh, 
kind of character, at least, you know, as far as my knowledge of Lord of the Rings goes, which is, isn't that far. But Dumbledore, he, he has the outward appearance of that, but then he's wearing high-heeled buckle boots and he's making little joke, uh, little joke speeches. Yeah, he's a bit, he's, he's a bit eccentric, isn't he? Yeah, I, guess. I, I thought you might uh, might like that, but m- maybe not. Millis, you had a question, I think. Um, not a question. I just um, reading this back again. I loved the section where Neville's talking about his great uncle Algy. And yeah. like him dangling out outside the window and yeah. off Blackpool Tower. Uh, here, not Tower. Oh, Blackpool, <laughs> off Blackpool Pier. I like the thought of what he said to everyone else when he dropped him out the window. So, oh, guys, you were, I, I was only trying to see if he had <laughs> yeah. any, but he's he down fly. there and I don't know if he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a very high risk way of. Finding out if he's magic, isn't it? Because you just wait for the latter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rob, um, we had a listener question about uh, Chapter 8. As you mentioned, it brings up a lot of the subjects. Um, any of them stand out for you as something you might like to study or know a bit more about? Um, Defence of Against the Dark Arts seems like the the uh, the popular one. Yeah, the cool one. And the... Um, uh, the What's the one where she turns the table into a pig? That would be a good, good crack. Transfiguration. Transfiguration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, you, you had a few criticisms about the kind of curriculum before. Any other thoughts on the curriculum? Yeah, I just thought there should be some, some fundamentals, maybe English as well, maths. You know the big three, science. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to like criticize too much on that. But what I would say is, you're obviously you're conditioned to think that they are the fundamentals. And don't get me wrong. If my daughter can't read and write, I'm going to be locking her in in a room until she can. But but it doesn't alter the fact that like, especially when you get to high school, it's very much what people have decided we need to know and I'm not saying I don't agree with it but you've got to take yourself away from that and understand this is a completely different world and knowing how to change one object into another is is more important in that world does that make sense but also it, it is science like post surely post yes. science like transfiguration is science but um herbology is science like yeah that, they definitely there's there is absolutely no point in them studying our version of science um i also think i would be gutted if i got accepted into a magical school turned up and first day it was like english maths history science i just think if you if you stopped if i stopped reading books at year 11 uh, year what's it called but you no, did stop reading. You did stop reading fiction then. No, no, but I mean, any any books or any education, then like my vocabulary would be stunted. But Rob, all he's reading is is, is magic books. You went, yeah, he's reading his textbooks. What were you reading? <laughs> like, what were you reading that was so that was so instrumental? You yourself said you stopped reading fiction. 
I think we'll we'll revisit this in in book six when Harry will say a word and I'll say, where's he learned that from? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be all over this like a hawk. (laughs) If If he does or says anything that that I don't think he's learned in, in, this, in this school, then we'll see. Rob, why don't you take us through Chapter 9, The Midnight Duel, your notes, your thoughts, and, and we'll come back to you with some questions. Yeah, so the big introduction of Quidditch, um, another mention of West Ham, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all, um, or they seem to be quite excited about Quidditch and, and flying on a broomstick. broomstick. Everyone's getting, um, everyone's sort of bigging themselves up, and they have a a lesson with um, what's the teacher called? Hooch. Hooch, Madam Hooch. Is that what she's called? Oh, I just added the Madam. No, that's correct. Oh gosh, that would have been embarrassing. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So they, yeah, they have they they have their Quidditch lesson, and. Um, there's a bit of a, an incident with Neville, who's who. I feel like she's packed in so much of him, like dropping clangers and being the full guy, like in a really short space of time. Does that just presumably that just carries on? That's his role, just to mess things up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what does he drop? Uh, he he just messes up his takeoff, and then he just flies up in the air. Uh, and, and has quite a serious injury. And I was interested in this, actually, because he, he breaks his wrist or something. Yeah. And it sounds pretty horrific. And then I was thinking, oh, is he going to be, you know, out of action for, for months? But they just magic him better. Yes, uh, there's a hospital wing. Um, you'll, you'll see a lot more of that as, as the book goes on, not to give away too much. Do you need a hospital wing if, uh, if you can just magic better? Not everything is that quick. And I think if you think about um, muggle muggle illnesses or something that could happen to a muggle, like a broken leg, a broken wrist, um, things like that are are very fixable. But but it's much more tricky, obviously, when it's magic on magic. So someone's drunk a magic potion that's done something. Do you know what I mean? So the hospital wing is generally there for something when it's a magic on magic. Oh, <laughs> okay. So teacher goes off with him, uh, leaves the class alone, uh, which is always dangerous. <laughs> but surely, Rob, she told them not to, to move and not to go on their broom. So, so that, I mean, they wouldn't possibly do something they're told not to, right? Yeah, classic. Wouldn't do it. No, nah, everyone's just going to stand there. I mean, they've literally just been introduced to flying broomsticks. <laughs> as if they're just going to leave it. And then Malfoy steals something of someone's, I think. It might be um, Nigel, uh, Nigel. <laughs> it might be Neville's um, ball. Has he got a ball? Rob, uh, these are not long, detailed chapters, <laughs> mate. You, uh, do you not have a pen and pencil? He steals a remember all which belongs to Neville. Do you remember yes, that item? He does. He steals that. And then um yeah, Harry does the noble thing and it's like, you know, stop being a prick, bring it back down. Um and then he flies up after him and he's he's got he's got natural skills on the broomstick. McGonagall sees it. Uh and she she marches him off. So we've all been here where you think you're in trouble. 
and you have that sort of sinking feeling. Obviously, for him, the stakes are higher because he thinks he's going to be sent back home to the uh, the Dursleys. And then actually, he's um, it's all good. He's been picked for the Quidditch team, and the captain Wood, Mister Wood, we call him. Um, yeah, he's delighted about it, and he's a there's a particular position I can't remember the name that he he's perfect for. Um, so he's, he's he's sort of very happy about that. It's all sort of um, unprecedented because he's he's a first year and they don't normally get in the team. Tells Ron, Ron's like, yeah, well done, mate. That's that's impressive. Um, and then there's a I can't remember what the initial issue is with him and Malfoy, but basically there's a he challenges him to a midnight duel and. Uh, basically ends up completely mugging him off because Malfoy doesn't turn up. Um, but as part of that, Harry and Ron and then Hermione's sort of pissing about and trying to stop them and ends up getting involved as well. Neville's sleeping in a corridor somewhere for some reason. Um, and he's with them as well. And then they're just basically creeping around the school at night. Uh, the cats the cats after them. Ghosts are mugging them off. <laughs> Um, the caretakers trying to find them and they basically find themselves in this um, in this forbidden corridor which was basically the one admin message from Dumbledore at the at the, at the feast and there's a three-headed dog so that's that's pretty normal any thoughts on um, on the dog you liked you liked Fang you liked Hagrid's dog yeah, I I did. I got the sense that this dog was uh, a lot bigger though, mm. and was a bit more sort of um, well, our three heads. Yeah, that's the, that's the main feature, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. well, it's, it's where you walk away remembering. Yeah. Well, not except for, not for Hermione. Not, not for Hermione Granger. Do you remember what she walked away remembering, Rob? Yeah, she spotted that he was standing on a, on a box. Oh, was it a box? <laughs> standing on. <laughs> did you read it? <laughs> I think Rob, Rob, I think you're reading you're enjoying these too much. You're reading them too quickly. You're not you're not like I was I was focused on the dog. Is that accurate? <laughs> <laughs> still on a box. Oh, that's made my night. And you still walk away thinking, yeah, I could write this. <laughs> <laughs> still on a door. Still on a trap door. Yes, no, because then he, he makes a massive leap. He's like, oh, that's where the package was that we stuck with we sorry, they didn't steal it, that they took from the vault with Hagrid before. And he's just like, yeah, that's where it is, definitely. And it's like, you know, I thought that was a bit of a leak. Although, yeah, I forgot to mention, there's a bit earlier where he's he finds out that the bank's been was robbed on the day that they were there. So he's piecing it all together in his head. Um, and my only other note from this chapter is, it's really funny that they're called beaters. <laughs> <laughs> Like you sort of said, like oh, he's he's doing the noble thing, or like oh, I think he's a bit too clever. Like, why is that too clever for Harry to start piecing things together? This is the you've only known Harry for like ninety pages or something. Yeah, no, I, it wasn't. It's was too clever. It's more that it's a bit of a leap for him to be like, oh, there's a dog standing on a trapdoor. That's where the package is. Mm. It, it could just be like a sort of a cellar. Yeah, <laughs> true. Or, or you know, could be storage games kit. Oh, and of course, he might be wrong. He might be wrong. Well, I mean, there we go. Um, anyone else got any more 
questions for for Rob on those three chapters before we obviously release him to gobble up chapters 10, 11 and 12. Rob, out of 10, how much did you love it? I I enjoyed the slightly longer chapter. Yeah. The last one. It's a bit more going on. I don't think I've ever met anyone who is more into it than you, Phil. Really? Honestly. Yeah. (laughs) You're so excited by it. I really am. All right. Picture this scene. Say you're like 25, you're single, you're on a date with a guy, everything's going great. Yeah. He's perfect, really nice guy. You bring up Harry Potter and he just says, oh, I think it's shit. Date over? A hundred percent date over. Um, but it's interesting that you say that because I came up with criteria quite early on about if someone I met, and this isn't like as a partner, this is as a friend, if someone I met didn't like certain things, I didn't want anything to do with them. Um, and very early on, like when I went to university, I was very clear that if someone doesn't like um, Alan Partridge, I really I don't really want to know. I don't mind if like, I haven't seen it. That's fine. Um, but if someone was to outright say, no, I've seen Alan Partridge, I don't think it's funny, I'd say, do you know what, it's time we went our separate ways. Uh, funny enough, my husband has not read the Harry Potter books, but um, James has always been completely open to Harry Potter. He would never, ever, ever say oh, Harry Potter's shit, like never in a million years. And it, Harry Potter is a big part of our life and, uh, and our, our children's lives as well. Okay, so Millers, did you have any more questions for Rob? No, I'm excited for him to read on. Okay, great. Um, let's give him the chapters of the next, uh, sorry, the names of the next three chapters that he'll be taking on. Okay, chapter 10, Halloween. Chapter 11, Quidditch. And chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. Any thoughts on those chapter names, Rob? Uh, yeah, pr- presumably it's going to be Halloween. Then they're going to play Quidditch. And then they're going to buy a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will let you go and find out. Thank you, as always, for your thoughts and for you know going through this amazing experience with us. We'll see you next time. All right, nerds. Enjoy your deep dive. Although uh, I think you'll find I've, I've covered most of it. So of course easy. you have. Of course. Good night, Rob. Thoughts? I mean, he is, he really is the best person to do this, I think, because I can't get over how arrogant he is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a good thing that he doesn't listen to the deep. I mean, when the whole seven series is over in however many years it takes us to get through this, you know, he may go back and listen to these deep dives. I can't wait for him to hear that. I do think I he hope will. he does. Um, I have to say, though, uh, even though, like, when he said the words, and I just thought, oh, my gosh, this is brilliant. Um, I think any of us could have just written this ourselves. And I thought, you are absolutely insane. Um I, I do find that the more Rob is reading the books, the more I love him reading the books. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's absolutely hysterical. I hope at some point the penny will drop with him that this is a well-constructed, well-written story. <laughs> I don't know how long it will take. He didn't mention the hats, little conversation with Harry at all. He didn't mention the dream. Yeah, the dream. Oh, we spoke about that. That's such a stylized and weird way to end the chapter, isn't it? And yeah, it's kind of almost it happens a few times, I think, in this book. And then 
kind of she obviously veers away from from that way of of writing she who must um, not be named yeah <laughs> yeah so just to fill in listeners who may not have read the chapter that recently at the very, at the end of um chapter seven the sorting hat harry has a dream which is full of imagery which if you've read the whole book and indeed the whole series makes a lot of sense like jk rowling is is lay uh, she's laying out little breadcrumbs of truth which you don't understand at the time um obviously to rob it will just seem like a weird fancy dream but at the at the very end of the chapter it says something along the lines of the next day harry couldn't remember the dream at all that kind of style where she's really trying to string the reader along with the plot is definitely not present so much in later books um, no, but it is used. It is definitely used. You know, like uh, book four, it opens and Harry woke, wakes up and he dreamt the whole of the Riddle House thing, but it's, it seeps away immediately. Yeah, that is kind of, yeah, I know what you mean, but that, that's done in, in a kind of a different way. Correct. Um, I mean, dreams, dreams in Harry Potter, I'm sure there are PhDs written about dreams in Harry Potter. Like, it wouldn't surprise me. They're used massively all the way through and are really important. What I found distinctive about this example, because it's really the first time that it's used, is that the narrator then uh, references the dream uh, sort of outside of Harry's mind. Normally what we get is Harry's impression of the dream and then he wakes up and how he feels about it. Whereas the narrator this time says, and the next day, Harry didn't remember the dream at all. And I felt like that, uh, sort of outs it a bit more as a children's book. But anyway, that came from a, a, a list of things that Rob didn't bring up. He's in, he's kind of refusing to get on board with the story. Like at the end, when he can see how he's piecing it together, he's like, but how does he know? Yeah. He's like, you've got to go with it. You've got to, you've got to go, like, lean into the story. Obviously, we do get to be smug geeks about all of this, but we're, there were a couple of other things that Rob mentioned, which uh, I don't think you can blame him for. Um, you know, because he hasn't read the whole series, but just uh, sent off a little ping in my mind. Snape irrationally hating Harry. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're supposed to think that. No, yeah, but we all... It's just funny because we we know Snape's rationale here. He's also <laughs> right about Snape, though. Snape does does have an irrational hatred of Harry. Yeah. It's perhaps an understandable feeling an understandable hatred but it is irrational he just he doesn't know why he's right what i like about this is that i think he's saying it and phil you know i don't want to call rob arrogant because he's a really good friend but i do (laughs) think he's saying it in a slightly arrogant way it's like oh the the writer's got like no you know she's just written this character that just like irrationally hates harry just for tension oh neville he's just the clumsy one right i assume that's just how it goes throughout the whole thing and it's like no he kind of um no he has some growth uh, during the novels, which Rob can't anticipate yet. Um, Talking of Neville, um, I can't believe. I thought it was going to pick up on the Remembrall. I thought it was going to really annoy him. I love the Remembrall because the, it's the paradox. It's so fucking useless. Yeah, it's such a useless thing. There is very little worse than knowing that you've forgotten something, but not knowing what it is. Yeah, it's a great joke. It's great. I thought there were lots of really funny moments in these chapters as well, and. Um, some brilliant iconic lines um the classic hermione line of we could have been killed or worse expelled yeah yeah even after all these years drew a smile from me definitely i get a feeling with rob that he 
Uh, he's almost playing the part of the know-it-all, though, isn't he? But, but at some point, he's going to become, he's going to come unstuck. Because I remember, I don't, I don't know at what point the penny dropped for me that it was the Philosopher's Stone. But I remember, you know, once the trapdoor was said and Harry goes to bed and he starts thinking, oh, it's obviously guarding something, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the mysterious package. And suddenly thinking like, oh my gosh, yeah, of course, the package was taken from blah, blah, blah. And that's what it is. And and it's funny that Rob is like, yeah, like you said, well, how would Harry be capable of thinking that? Well, how would he not be capable of thinking that? He's obviously, why aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> also, like funny then that Rob was just saying, oh, you know, Phil, you're 25, you're on a date. Do you think he's thinking he should have asked me out when we were 25 and he's thinking it would never have worked because I'd have done a walkout? I think that's yeah, probably what he yeah. was yeah, going through <laughs> in his mind. Um, should we talk a bit about um, lessons and the curriculum? Obviously, yeah. uh, Rob is, is not happy with the Hogwarts curriculum. We were having a chat, weren't we? I think it was yesterday with my sisters about the lack of exercise they seem to do at Hogwarts because they obviously they do they take flying lessons which only really seems to happen in the first year some people obviously do Quidditch I'm not totally sure how much exercise is involved with Quidditch but but other than that and kind of generally walking around there doesn't seem to be like any PE or any kind of physical exercise and they are given unlimited food food <laughs> yeah I agree with you on the food thing and I have thought about that a couple of times like the amount of times I've thought Christ if I was at Hogwarts I'd be the size of a house um and god it wouldn't be good to have like allergies at Hogwarts or you no. know be diabetic or anything like that but what I one thing I would say about Quidditch and about flying is I think that is an immense amount of um exercise I think the core strength for Quidditch the core strength for being on a broom I think would be absolutely immense yeah I agree it's just that it seems to be quite optional you know yeah I it agree seems that only like the team really play it doesn't seem that like there's all like Quidditch club for people who don't manage to get on the team I think it would have been really fun for if if she could have worked into the curriculum like magical sports and games yeah and they don't do cross country yeah like there's there's stuff that yeah there's stuff that you even if you're magic like running is important stamina is important yeah. all of those things are important just bouncing off of this uh, talk of curriculums uh we were introduced to transfiguration and rob even brought up himself a really nice moment where mcgonagall turns her desk into a pig and back again and we had a list of question um about transfiguration um from tabitha um basically along the lines of the ethics of transfiguration and sentient beings animals we often see during the books um the students either turning something into an animal or turning an animal into something what kind of ethical implications do we think this has i think her issue was if it was the turning an animal into a an object rather yeah. than the other way around um so if it's a real animal then it does it die when you turn it into like a pincushion or a chair or whatever it is hmm. um we which is a good question because there are some things later on that do suggest that once you turn it into it, it will stay like that until unless you turn it back yourself. Yeah, um, that's the... and I, th I think the only thing I could think come up with was maybe 
or the only kind of way of making it sound a bit ethical and kind is that maybe that was a pincushion which you turned into a hedgehog and now they're trying to turn it back my thoughts are that I don't think that you can just spring life out of nothing. I don't think that wizards have that capability to start with a box and turn it into a rabbit. I don't think that's how it could work. I because I don't they can't bring people back from the dead. We know that. So I don't think they have that ability to create life via magic. They obviously have that biological ability to have children, but I don't think they have that ability. I think you can turn an animal into something and it will last for as long as the spell is able to keep a grasp on it and that is dependent on mainly on the power of the witch or wizard and their intention at that point because intention in magic is so 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 important so honestly and I know this is a bit nuts but listening back to um she turns her desk into a pig and back again. I honestly think for her first session with a new class, she gets the pig out, turns the pig into a desk. That's her desk for that lesson. And after, she can turn it back into a pig. Just a couple of questions on this. Um, I think this is the kind of thing that you're obviously not supposed to dig too deep into because it gets a bit dark. One thing I've noticed from Transfiguration is that they're always muggle animals. <laughs> do we think there is a hierarchy of animals in the wizarding yeah. world and they do not practice Transfiguration on Grindylows or Thestrals or um, you know, magical salamanders, but they're quite happy to do it on Dormice and Hedgehogs and Pink. <laughs> <laughs> I think where are they getting these muggle animals from? They're buying them from Scottish farmers, I reckon. I I think that it also maybe affects the difficulty. So we know that um, like vertebrates are more difficult to transfigure than invertebrates. And then, sorry, how do we know that? No, they say it. Professor McGonagall tells you. Really? We're going to move on to vertebrates, yeah. But she talks about what they start with and what they move on to. Oh, fantastic yeah. citation! Fair um, play. And I imagine then, like as you get, I imagine that a dormouse is easier than an elephant, you know. And maybe magical creatures are that mi- that much more difficult again than non-magical creatures. Oh yeah, you're not transfiguring a pixie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Christ, no. Well, and it would again, might be a have, have ways of resisting. Mm. Yeah, and again, that was, for me, that's the difference between a broken wrist and um, your all your bones being magically dis- magically disappearing and having to drink skelly grow. Like, when is magically caused? Yeah. This kind of feeds back into his kind of disdain for the curriculum and his kind of misunderstanding of, like, well, why wouldn't they do the fundamentals? And it's like, well, why, why the hell would you? You know, yeah. in your everyday lives, you need money, time, really basic stuff. Stuff that these kids will have already. Why would you then, as a, as a wizard school, go on to any kind of further maths? Because we all know that that, is for, that, that that becomes a fundamental building block for people who require it for something like engineering or computer science or to be a, a maths teacher or a maths uh, I lecturer. I do not use anything mm. past year four maths. Yeah, so I don't understand... You were you were putting it to him quite squarely, Phil, and I think you put it to him quite fairly. Like, well, what do you what did you study in high school that is now so important? Like to you now, like you, you're sort of saying that you don't read fiction. Obviously, English wasn't that 
uh, it bigger deal yeah. didn't leave its mark on you or anything well he would but the thing that, that blew my mind though was that he was there when they went to buy the bloody books yeah there's loads of reading yeah yeah oh yeah there are loads of books Maybe I mean, he hasn't he hasn't got to that yet. They're, they're set lots of essays. They're set to do essays. They're set yeah. to do lots of reading. And talk about vocabulary. I mean, Expelliarmus. Yeah, exactly. Guardian, they're gonna have a bloody massive vocabulary soon. All the all the hexes you can think of. Yeah, and you know, you think like back when we were in primary school, we were in secondary school, you know, IT wasn't it wasn't, it was a completely a choice in my school. Whereas now you have to be computer literate. Like things do change. And also it's a bit kind of horticulture and the stuff that's taught in herbology, which again has a very medical scientific side to the whole thing. But like you think it's pretty nuts really that kids in school aren't taught about how to grow things, how to look after, how to look after, like how to grow your own food. Like why do we, why are we not taught that? Do you know what I mean? So um, I do think it's it's a really. I mean, you were taught point. how to crumble some crisps on a pasta bake. I did, but I did crumble the scrunched it, the the crisps on a pasta bake. I want to talk about the Weasley twins. Obviously, even Rob has to love the Weasley twins. Um, yep. they're brilliant characters. I just wish that she'd put them in third year in this book. Um, I know they're in second year. But it just feels like they're in third year. And it feels like that would just feel like a better fit. Um, I agree. Because like when they come up to Harry to say, oh, yeah, well done, we're on the team. They've, they must have only been on the team for like two days. Yeah, true. They feel like they'd be in year nine, don't they? That's what it feels yeah, like. It just feels like, and I get that they're very charismatic and, you know, they're the kind of, you know, people who make friends very easily. So you kind of square it off like that but I just feel like it would have made more sense and been a better fit if yeah. they were in their third year I completely wholeheartedly agree I genuinely think that would have lost nothing but gained a bit of reality because the way that they know you know their way around the school so well the only time that it yeah that it would have caused a problem though would have been the Triwizard tournament because they are just too young to enter yeah but they could have had them entering and not and not getting it yeah true i had another little thing um hedwig and hagrid it's just a little thing as i was reading this back harry makes a point about he hadn't he hadn't received anything yet from his owl um and my immediate thought was kind of like well yeah harry like you have to you send your owl to people and um they they send it back with your owl. Harry's sort of twiddling his thumbs, sort of being like, well, when's Hedwig going to bring me something? Uh, which I thought was quite funny. But then, lo and behold, um, you know, maybe because Hagrid bought him Hedwig, right? Hagrid yeah. bought Hedwig for Harry? Hedwig, yeah, and he would have some... gone down to the owl yeah. to see them. Yeah, Hagrid goes there and gets Hedwig and sends Harry something, maybe to sort of initiate him into this is how it works. Or, well, I, what I thought was that we know in in later books when Harry's at home at the Dursleys um, for his birthday, Hedwig goes off to Hermione's um, to make sure that she sends him a birthday present and he gets it. Um, and I think sometimes like she like pecks people to make sure they reply, give him a good reply. 
Um, so I thought maybe she might have gone down to Hagrid's, you know, to make sure that Harry wasn't left out and wasn't lonely and did have something. Brilliant citation, to be fair. I think, I think 100%, you know, Hagrid would have spent the whole first week thinking like, mm, I wonder how Harry's getting on. I hope he's doing well. I wonder if he's made it. Oh, I can see he's made friends with Ron. Like, always oh, in Gryffindor. I reckon he's like, he is like, a, he's a bit of a father figure. And I think he'll have spent the whole of the first week thinking, oh, I don't want to go up and embarrass him and go over to him every morning and ask him how he's doing and blah, blah, blah. Like, And I think he he holds out as long as he can before going, right, I'm gonna. I'm just going to send him a note today and he'll love it because I'll send it through Hedwig and he won't have received anything. And Because he says, Hagrid says something at one point, like, uh, don't expect you've received a lot of, like he says, oh, don't expect you receive a lot of presents at the, at the Dursleys. And he'll be thinking things like, oh, Harry's gone without. No one's going to be writing to Harry. So I'm going to write to Harry, even though I could just walk past him. I think it's all about... Hagrid as a parent thinking oh how can I make this as as special as possible for him yeah totally agree that was my thinking that Hagrid's taken the initiative but I also love the suggestion that maybe Hedwig yeah uh, wise old owl has taken the initiative and you know maybe gone to Hagrid and I don't think it's that Hagrid thinks Harry doesn't know how the elves work but yeah, I thought that was a really nice, nice little moment. It is um, a couple of things I wanted to talk about was um, it always, always strikes me when I reread the books about the eye colours of some of some of the well, particularly Hagrid because they talk about his beetle black eyes. They talk about his eyes being completely black, which I have never seen. Like, is isn't it's not just me saying that that is not. That's not normal to have black eyes. No, it's not no, normal. No. And then um, I kind of remembered it as well when they first introduced Madame Hooch. And obviously she teaches flying and um, her eyes are yellow like a hawk. And that, again, is not normal. So, like, do some magical creatures have completely... So is our Hagrid's eyes black because he's part giant? Is that part of his giant side of him? And then I started thinking, like, well, is there something else in Madame Hooch? You know, is she is she something else as well? Or or are just some magical people, do they have like a broader sphere of eye colours? I think magical people have a broader sphere of eye colours. We also know, you know, from the wider universe that people have the ability to change their appearance somewhat. I mean, J.K. Rowling, I think, if you read Harry Potter you can only conclude that she has something about eyes. Like, they are used a lot in this uh, book, time and time again, with so many important characters. Snape, as well, as we introduced him in this book, he has, you know, black eyes as well, like tunnels. Yeah, and and I I think you're right. I, I think that magical folk just have a broader sphere of how their eye colour and their hair colour and their teeth uh, might develop and it, it's sort of linked with their soul or their personality or their emotions. I, I would favour that over Hooch has got, you know, a great-great-grandfather that was a hawk. Yeah. <laughs> when do you guys think McGonagall switched tack from I'm going to have to punish Potter to I'm not going to punish Potter I'm going to take him to the captain of the Quidditch team Mm. because there's no way she's not livid when she first turns up she is livid she is angry she's livid but 
I think she knows what she's going she's to do. She's over the moon. Even yes, when she gets down there. Yeah, she's having yeah. a look. She needs to make sure, because, look, Hooch, supposed to be teaching that class, leaves them all. She comes down, sees some there on their brooms, doesn't think I should stay with these children, make sure they don't keep... She leaves them as well. Yeah. She, but right. she needs to play the, like, I'm so disappointed, I'm so angry, so that the rest of them, if, if she's like, oh, great, well done, you're on the team, the rest of them will start flying around. And, but also, don't don't forget this, right, this is, it's, I think flying on a broom is incredibly difficult. I think it takes years to get good at. Do not underestimate what Harry's natural skill is. She sees him do a 50-foot dive and pull out of it without even scratching himself. Charlie Weasley, who could have played for England, he says, couldn't have done it. She's basically discovered a prodigy in her mitts who's going to get other house cut. This this goes back to what I was saying last week. TAs are Hogwarts. Why don't we have them? This yeah. is the exact scenario where a kind of postgraduate, just done his NEWTs a couple of years ago, student who would like to hang around and be a teacher, um, should be down there sort of marshalling them. I also like that we know that the Quidditch tryouts must have happened earlier this week. McGonagall marches Harry to see Wood, who's the captain, says, oh, I found you a seeker. I know you think that Wood maybe didn't find a seeker in the tryouts, but I like the idea that some someone on Tuesday was told, was told, oh, you're the seeker for Gryffindor. Like, that's a great job. Like, that's a, that's brilliant. You're so happy. You've been trying out for years. <laughs> Two days later, oh, you've been dropped for a first year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be absolutely heartbreaking, wouldn't it? One one more quick thing to mention, because we are introduced in this chapter to the iconic spell Alohomora, which as a child, I just loved Alohomora. It's still something I say now when I want something to open. <laughs> like, it's a great spell. Does it work? It's, it never works. It's a great spell to know. <laughs> but we really have to talk about how stupid it is, because like, why Why would wizards have doors with locks when there's a well-known charm that anyone can use to unlock it? Why would they even have keys? But what is the extent of a low more? It can, it can open a mechanical lock, but it can't open a magical one. Is that correct? Well, we know... I'm not sure. We know that... That begs the question, why would anyone ever use a mechanical lock in the magical world? I, I guess all it, all mechanical locks would do is for under 11-year-olds. Yeah. How many of them are in Hogwarts? I mean, let's face it. Dumbledore wanted Harry to go into that corridor, to yeah. be fluffy, to go and put himself in mortal peril. It was all part of his plan because he's irresponsible and he's grooming him. Thank you very much for listening to the Harry Potter Virgin, especially if you've made it all the way through. If you have not weighed it all the way through, I haven't thanked you. So no issues there. If you have, leave us a review. Review, Phil, where are they leaving these reviews? You can do it know. on Spotify. Oh, maybe. You can do it on iTunes. I don't think we're on iTunes. Don't leave us a review. <laughs> don't, don't we're leave definitely us a re- not on iTunes. Don't leave us a review. <laughs> Tell your mates. Send Just send a link to your mates. Do it now in your little Spotify app. Click on the little three dots. Click the share button. Send it to everyone in your WhatsApp. Why not? <laughs> Millers, any final, final thoughts? Just, you know, it's Halloween. We're going to play some Quidditch and we're going to buy a mirror. So if yeah. you want to ask Rob about any of those things, hit us up. 
Yeah, keep the questions You've got coming. My number. I, I really do appreciate the questions and the comments, and we will always bring them up directly with Rob or in the deep dive. So thanks very much for listening, and goodbye, Millers. Bye. Goodbye, Phil. Axio. And goodbye from me. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>